Hey everyone, welcome to City Church OTR's Sermons Podcast. Here you will find all of the sermons and teachings that are given at our Sunday services. We also have our original City Church OTR podcast, which has more conversations, interviews, and more interactive content. As always, we would love to meet you. Check out our Instagram to see what we're doing this week and our website, citychurchotr.com, to meet one of our pastors. Enjoy. Well, good morning. It's an honor to be with you. Uh, My name is Dwight Young, if you've not met me before. Um, Normally what I'm doing is running a ministry called Block Ministries in Price Hill uh, for the last 25 years, so we're honored to be a part of you guys here today. Uh, If we could start with prayer, I'd appreciate it if you'll bow with me. Father, we come together to ask your sanctification on this room, that you would set it apart today, those people that are here, myself, the word that you would sanctify that, Lord, set it apart for your your will, that the Holy Spirit would be present uh, and doing his work among us today, and that the devil have no part of this conversation. So, Lord, we ask your blessing, that your hand and your presence be here, and that we honor you with what we say and what we do and how we build into each other. In Jesus' name, amen. If you let me, I'd like to start by reading a liturgy this morning about the hours of daybreak. So if you can just let this kind of wash over you. O children of the living God, what is your Father's greatest desire for you this day? That we should love our eternal King with all our hearts, all our souls, all our minds, and with all our strength. How would you show this love? By remembering him at all times, by cultivating thankfulness for his many blessings and trusting his good providence. For the meeting of our needs, by loving all those who live, whose lives intersect our own, by choosing to serve rather than to be served, to be wounded rather than to wound, and by bearing patiently with the failings of others, extending the same kindness, mercy, and compassion that God in Christ has so graciously offered us. We would also love him by serving with faithfulness and due passion in our various vocations, by delighting in all things he has created for our benefit and pleasure, and by caring well for all he has given us to steward. O children of the living God, you would do well to practice your love in these ways today. Well, as we begin this morning, we're in Acts end of 18. Uh, uh, Chris asked me to pick up there, and then the rest of chapter 19. (laughs) We're not going to do that. All right. <laughs> I can't do that to you. I'll, or I won't do that to you. I am going to pick out a couple of things I really feel like the Lord was giving me to give to you. So we'll do that together today. So as we do that, if you want to look in your Bibles, uh, look up on your phones, whatever, start at the end of chapter 18. We'll get there in just a minute, chapter, verse 26. Uh, several years ago, and I won't say how many because it gives away my age, but Uh, a long time ago in Louisville, Kentucky, I was doing some seminary work, and I started working in a small church in the inner city. Uh, Some of my first inner city work was in Louisville, Kentucky, and that is how you pronounce it, by the way. Uh, I am from Kentucky, central Kentucky, so I grew up there. Uh, We didn't know Louisville was actually a part of Kentucky until I moved there. We thought it was a part of Indiana, so that's just part of how that works. But going there, I got to be a part of a small church called Clifton Heights Christian Church. It was on a dead-end street, if that tells you anything. Uh, They thought that the road was going to be developed, and it never was. So this little church sat on the end of this dead end, and they were some wonderful, wonderful people, about 60 folks. 
And we were asked to do youth ministry there, so we started doing youth ministry, and the neighborhood had changed a lot. So it used to be all white, now it was mixed and all kind of crazy. It, got, it used to be middle class, now it was poor. Uh, just hard, hard time in the 80s and late 80s and 90s. And so we started working in the neighborhood, in the apartments, in the low-income area, and I just fell in love with these kids, and they fell in love with us. And we started doing this thing on Wednesday night. Now, if you don't remember back in the day, we had Sunday morning, Sunday night service, and Wednesday night service. I'm glad we don't do those anymore, but that's how we used to do that. On Wednesday night, we had a fellowship meal, which was good. Everybody brought food. We had all this food, but everybody came for food, and then we had Bible study. My job was to do youth ministry and to really try to get these kids in the church. They'd never been in the church. So on Wednesday nights, we started bringing all these kids to church. We had this thing called, the, we built this clubhouse outside. So we would have 50, 60 kids from the neighborhood. And all of a sudden, I invited them to the dinner. <clears throat> if you can imagine, just imagine you had six big cookies and 100 kids. What that looks like after they get done with those six cookies. Well, I turned those six kids loose on that dinner and before we could even say the prayer they'd hit the dessert table and it was gone I mean three four weeks in a row I couldn't I couldn't help it I just didn't know how to control those they were hungry they'd never seen that much food at once and when we turned them loose in there they were crazy we had this lady her name was Menner I don't know what that means that was just her nickname she was older lady probably late 70s she was in World War II and drove an ambulance, if that tells you anything about this lady. I mean, a tough woman. Uh, from Georgia, had a great southern accent, a wonderful, wonderful lady, but didn't come across that way. <laughs> so she's handling all the food, and she starts yelling at all the kids. I mean, screaming, get out of here. What are you doing? You can't touch that. It's not time. We haven't even prayed yet. You know, all the stuff you're supposed to say to kids. And then she fixed her eyes on me. And I knew I was in trouble. She was about my height. I mean, she wasn't a small lady. She was 6'1", drove an ambulance in World War II. Really, that's all I need to tell you. <laughs> uh, and here she came, a boy. There was no place to hide. So I apologized. I confessed it was all my fault. I told her, I'm sorry. I don't know what to do with 60 kids when I turn them loose on the dessert table. She goes, well, you need to do something. I said, my phrase was, I didn't know I should have said this, but it was the smartest thing I've ever said. I said, why don't you help me? And she says, I have no idea how to help you, but if it needs, if you need help, I'll help you. So for the next two and a half years, Menner, myself, my wife, Stephanie, a couple other people did nothing but work with those neighborhood kids. That white church of 60 people to this day, 20-some years later, is a fully mixed, unbelievable, fun, healthy church to go to. Still small, still on a dead-end street, but the neighborhood has become the church. And Minner was a huge part of that. That lady helped me run everything we did. If you ever, anybody ever done a lock-in? Those are of the devil, first of all. <laughs> that means you lock a bunch of people in, uh, kids in a building all night and stay up all night. I, whose idea was that, right? Okay. We did those. Uh, I was much younger then, but she was not. I mean, she was almost 80 years old, and she would come to those lock-ins and spend the night with me and those kids. And I was terrified to get out of my bed, and so was every kid in the building, because she gave us the speech at 11 o'clock. If anybody gets up, I will find you. <laughs> and I'm saying, I'm not getting up. I mean, kids, i got to go to the bathroom, do it now, because you're not getting up. So she was with me for two and a half years. About 20 years, I mean, 
before she passed away, we, we would go back and do uh, homecoming events. You know, you would celebrate every year of the church. So a long time after that, we went back, and she was nearing 92 years old. And we had a homecoming event. I spoke at the church, and we asked everybody, what is your best memory growing up in this congregation? And Minner stood up, and she said, my whole life I've served the Lord. The best two and a half years of my life in ministry were working with those kids. She had no idea what she was doing, <laughs> and neither did I, all right? But she was one thing. She was obedient to the Lord. So today we're going to kind of look at what does that mean for you to be obedient? What does it mean for me to be obedient? And sometimes we have no idea what we're doing, and that's all right. It's just showing up and saying, God, here are my hands and my feet. Uh, here's my voice. If I need to yell at kids, uh, whatever the case may be, let me be obedient. So let's look in Acts chapter 18, verse 26. We're going to start with a guy named Apollos. Apollos was a guy <clears throat> that was from a place called Alexandria, Egypt. And this is, I'm just going to read this one verse. He began to speak out boldly. This is verse 26, chapter 18. So Apollos began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. And when Priscilla and Aquila, who were leaders of the church, heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God in fuller detail. Now, the way of God was the teachings of Christ. Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father by me. So the, the teachings of Jesus were known as the way. So Aquila and Priscilla took Apollos aside and taught him more of the way. And when he made plans to cross over into Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote, and he went on and, and went to preach. Now, I'm not going to get a lot into his story, but let's talk about Apollos just for a second, because it matters where we're going. Apollos became a believer through John the Baptist's baptism. And that baptism was for the forgiveness of your sin. He, was, he knew about Jesus, but he didn't know the whole story. So he was an unbelievable, gifted teacher. He was fervent. He was excited. He was passionate. I mean, he was one of the smartest. That area was known for, for just wisdom in Alexandria. That was where the huge library was at that time. He was well known as a great spokesperson for the way, but he did not know everything about it. I mean, he had no idea all the teachings. So Priscilla and Aquila pulled him aside and taught him more of the way. And then he went off and running. So he was in Ephesus, which is another area which was Paul was heading to, and he was teaching there. You remember the scripture where it says, uh, Paul planted and Apollos watered and God brought the harvest, right? This is Apollos right here. Some people believe that Apollos also wrote Hebrews. Not getting into that. Don't care. You can fight that battle. But he could have been that guy. He's that sharp. But here's what I want to get out of Apollos. Apollos did not know everything and it didn't matter. He did his best with what he had. But he was willing to be what? Taught. So if I could give you some wisdom on what we teach in our ministry is three things. And you're going to look on your sheet and you can write these down. This is more about Paul. We'll get back to the Holy Spirit in just a second. Apollos was faithful. He was available and he was teachable. That's what a Christian person who's on the field, who's willing to do it all for the Lord is, looks like. It doesn't mean you know everything. It doesn't mean you're the best at everything. It does mean that you're faithful, available, and teachable, and that you're willing to get out there and do it. Apollos is our first example of that. 
in Acts chapter 18. Now we're going to jump in the first part of chapter 19, which tell Chris I got there, okay? The very part of chapter 19, I'm going to jump into, I think it's verse 2. Paul meets 12 Christians. Paul is on his third missionary journey. He goes to Ephesus, which is a huge city. I'm not going to get into all the city stuff, but it is well known for the Temple of Diana, which is known as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. They worship a lot of gods, all right? So we know all about that Ephesus. But Paul is in Ephesus, and he meets 12 disciples, which are basically 12 Christians, and he asks them this question. Verse 2, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you came to trust? And they said, no. They said to him, we have never even heard that there is such a thing as the Holy Spirit. In that case, what were you immersed into? And they said, into John's baptism. So again, we go back to this idea of why did these people know everything about the way of Jesus? Well, the church had just started. So a lot of the teaching had not filtered into all the community yet. Who do you think taught those 12 disciples? The guess is that Apollos went to Ephesians first and probably led these people to know the Lord. So they didn't understand all the Holy Spirit because Apollos didn't understand all of that. So it's no big deal. It's just we need to teach more. So Paul teaches them this stuff. He actually baptizes them into Christ's baptism. He lays his hands on them. They receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and off they go. Again, these 12 people did not know everything they needed to know, but, but they were what? Faithful, available, and teachable. And then they went. So Paul baptizes them teaches them about the Holy Spirit, off they go. Now, before we go on, let me share what I believe that the Acts is teaching us about three things of the works of the Holy Spirit. This is important for us today. Uh, it's been a big debate over centuries, but we're going to narrow down, and I'm not going to solve that debate, but here we go. Here's what I believe, according to Scripture, that God is teaching us about the Holy Spirit. The first act of the Holy Spirit is that He is around us. This is the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was new. When Jesus was dead, buried, and resurrected, when he came in that new body, that's when he gave us the spirit of his, his spirit to be with us because he was leaving. He promised us that. So for us now, when we are living as Christians, that Holy Spirit is very real. It's the presence of God. But when you're not a believer, the Holy Spirit is still present, and he's convicting this first scripture I want to give you is, called, is out of John chapter 16. Let's just read the first part. Verse 8 talks about the three acts of the Spirit, but we're going to, then it goes into explaining them. About sin, he says, the Holy Spirit acts because people do not believe me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. This is a sermon in itself. We're not going to pick this apart. But let's go to verse 9. The Holy Spirit convicts us about sin because people do not believe in me. This is Jesus. So the first thing I believe that God sent the Holy Spirit to do was to be a convicting peace in our life. He is around us convicting us because we are not obedient to Christ. In other words, the Holy Spirit is pulling us to know Jesus. That is the Holy Spirit's job. You and I don't save anyone. 
God does the saving. And a lot of that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. Make sense? We don't have to agree on this today, but I do believe that this is what the scripture is saying. The second act of the Holy Spirit is in us, dwelling in us. This is 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. This happens when we receive Christ as our Lord. So the Holy Spirit is around us, convicting us to be believers. And when we are believers, the Holy Spirit is in us, living in us, because now we are believers of Christ. And then the third thing is tough. This is the third presence of the Holy Spirit is on us. And this is in Acts 1-8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. This is something that we miss. There's a phrase called baptism of the Holy Spirit. Always freaked me out. I wasn't sure what that meant. Uh, there's this other idea that when the Holy Spirit comes on you, that you'll speak in tongues and that you'll heal people and that you'll act really strange. That's what I grew up with. Some of those things can happen, but that's not necessarily what on you means. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, it's an empowering, empowering thing. I ask for God's Spirit to come on me today as I preach to you. So I have the Holy Spirit power to speak His Word truthfully. Make sense? When I go serve people in our neighborhood, I ask for the Holy Spirit to come upon me and give me power to love that homeless person or that lady who may be in sex trafficking or the kid who's just having a hard day. That takes empowering of the Holy Spirit. Empowering comes every day. That's a new thing. It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit in you comes and goes. He's always in you. But that power that we ask for on a daily basis to go serve is a renewing thing every day. We ask for that power. So there's three things I think the Holy Spirit does, and I know this is, I hope it's not muddying the water this morning. I hope it makes it clear. The Holy Spirit is convicting us to know Jesus. Once we know Jesus, he lives in us. It is the power of God in you. And then daily we ask for that power to come upon us so that we can go out and do the work. Make sense? And this is what Paul is teaching the disciples at this time, and this is what Paul is preaching. He is in Ephesus for almost three years. There are churches just starting out of his teaching in Ephesus. There are places he never goes that churches start because they come and listen to him in Ephesus. They accept Christ as Lord and they go out and they start churches. It's a pretty cool thing that the Holy Spirit is doing. As we look at all these things, I want to ask you one thing. Apollos, think about Apollos. There was something he did not have. He didn't have all the teaching. There was something these 12 disciples that Jesus or that Paul met did not have. Something was missing. My question to you today for you, what am I missing? Some of us are missing the fact that we don't have Jesus living in us because we haven't accepted Christ yet. Some of us are missing the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a big deal for a believer. If we're not living that out every day and asking the Holy Spirit to live through us every day, we lose out on the power of the Spirit. We're missing that. Some of us are simply missing the willingness to be faithful, available, and teachable. We're missing that. And that does stop the work of the kingdom. In Acts chapter 19, verse 15, I'm going to jump a little bit. We're going to read about seven seven brothers that were casting out demons. 
Now, they were sons of a high priest. We're not sure where this high priest came from. We don't know his name other than here. He could have said he was a high priest. We're not sure he was a part of the, of the synagogue. We don't know that. But seven brothers were casting out demons in Acts chapter 19. And we read that story. And they go and they say, in the name of Jesus, we cast you out. And this is the response of the demons. Jesus I know, Paul I know, but you I don't know. <laughs> now, if you ever get a demon respond to you that way, this is a good time to leave the room. That's all I'm saying to you. Because what's about to happen is not good. That demon, that person they went in, one guy, one man, the scripture says one guy that had this demon in him leaped on the other seven. They were beaten, they were bloody, and they were naked when they ran out of the house. Now, that's not a demon you want to mess with, but they do exist. Jesus I know, Paul I know, but you I don't know. Here's the question I have for you. Does the devil know your name? If not, what is missing? What was missing from these seven brothers is that they were not believers. They did not have Jesus Christ in their life. They did not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, therefore not the power of the Holy Spirit. They simply understood what Paul was doing and said, that's pretty cool. If he can cast out demons in the name of Jesus, we'll just use the name of Jesus. But that's not how it works. There has to be that indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why I gave you that earlier. Just to use the name of Jesus does not work. It's not a secret potion. I was on a bus giving a tour in the middle of uh, Price Hill a few years ago. It's about 20 folks on there, uh, businessmen and women, never had been in Price Hill before. We're driving down McPherson Avenue. If you don't know where that is, there's a Kroger right in the middle of our neighborhood. That particular day, we were doing a funeral for a young man that was shot and killed earlier that week. Now, we host a lot of funerals over the years because nobody wants to touch those. And there's a good reason why people don't want to touch those funerals. They're mayhem. We have a building that holds, our church building holds 300 plus people. At that funeral, we would have six to 700 people show up. Yeah, and most of those are 16, 17, 18 to 25 year old young men and women. Now what happens in our neighborhood when a young person is shot and killed, what normally happens at that funeral, other than the people that are in the building that can actually fit there, the rest of the people are just in the streets having a huge party. So there's a lot of alcohol. There's a lot of uh, something being smoked. It smells weird. Um, and there's a lot of craziness going on. There's a lot of guns in the street. Now, here's what the police have to normally do. They usually park at each end of the street because if you're going to handle two or 300 kids, that's going to create some pretty bad issues. So you try to maintain that. I know it sounds weird, but this is what happens. So I knew we were doing that. Obviously, our team was there, but I'm taking the bus tour and we unfortunately drive down McPherson Avenue, which is right in front of our building. And the bus driver stops. I'm talking. We have a time limit. So I go to the bus driver. I said, don't stop yet. We need to go to the light. He goes, I can't go anywhere. And I look out the front glass, and I'm telling you folks, from our church building to where the end of the street is, which is probably 800 feet, you couldn't see the road. There were so many people. They're jumping on the cars. So if your car was parked there, that's too bad. Uh, they're dancing, they're screaming, they're yelling. There's a lot of drinking going on. And my bus of folks 
started to get a little panicky. Because <laughs> uh, we can't go anywhere, and now we're surrounded by people. I'm not thinking clearly, obviously. I'm just aggravated. And so I get out. I said to the bus driver, open the door. He says, I'm not opening the door. I said, open the door. We have to go. So he goes, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go talk to that one guy right there who I know is in charge of this whole mess. He's a young man, about 25. He lets me off the bus. I walk around to this young man. I pull him off to the side. I said, look, I'm the pastor that owns this church that's giving your friend his funeral. I need this bus to get through this mess. You've got to separate these kids out of the way. He says, I got it taken care of. I get back on the bus. Everybody's eyes are huge. They're going, why would you ever go out there? I said, because we have to leave. And all of a sudden, I'm not kidding you, we call this McPherson parting of the Red Sea. It looked like the Red Sea parted. Our bus drove through it, and as soon as we parted it, it just collapsed right behind us again. I was a hero for the rest of my life with those 15 people. I had nothing to do with that. I should have, if I had thought about it, I would not have gotten off the bus, right? But you're in those places to where you just are faithful, available, and teachable, and you feel like you have the power of the Holy Spirit, and there are things you just feel like you have to do. One of those was to get off the bus and handle the situation. Again, not me, the power of the Holy Spirit. This is when we have to understand that the devil needs to know your name. Anybody here want to make the devil mad today? I do. When I leave this place, my plan is to aggravate him as much as I possibly can by loving my neighborhood by taking care of people I bounce into, by going after the same people that he's going after as we speak. Imagine if this room would leave today and just go make the devil man and he would know everybody's name here. The fear I have is that he says to me, I really don't know you. That gives me this fear that I can't really live with. If you, what's a greater fear for me in Matthew chapter 7 is when we read that passage, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, I did, not pro- did I not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? We just read that story. And perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. What is missing in this story? We may do a lot in the name of Jesus, but are we really belonging to Jesus? Are we believers that give our life to Christ, have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, go out of this building today, live our life to make a difference, excuse me, to make a difference and ask for the power of the Holy Spirit, be faithful, available, teachable, and let the devil know who our name is. I want Jesus to know me first, (laughs) and then I want the devil to be very aware of what my name is. Now I want to jump back to Paul, and then we're almost done. In chapter 19, verse 11, Paul starts doing some crazy stuff. But here's the phrase I need you to get. Does it say Paul did extraordinary things? No. This is how the scripture lays this out. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, through Eric, through Susan, through Sandy, through Caitlin. That's how this works, through Dwight. God does this. We show up and be faithful, available and teachable. What's missing out of the movement of the church today are those three things. People who are faithful, available, and teachable. People who say, 
I don't know how to take care of those kids, but I'll just show up and help you. People who say, I don't know what to do when I get off the bus, but I'm just going to go. People who say, I don't know what to do with that family, but I'm just going to go love them and put my arms around them and be with them. That's what's wrong with the church today. We're not willing just to go. Doesn't have to be a program. Just go. Paul is healing people like crazy. The scripture, you can read this yourself. The scripture even says he wore this headband. It was sweaty and all that stuff. People, he would, so he would say he threw that off. If that touched anybody, the scripture said that would heal them. So people could touch his headband. People could touch, the scripture said, his apron that he wore because he was a, a worker. So he had this apron that he wore. So anything that touched that, people were healed. It's just, that is weird, right? It's just strange stuff that God does when we're obedient to him. Those are extraordinary things that God does. Now, do we all get to do that? Maybe not. doesn't matter. But God chooses to do that when he will. And Paul was available and teachable and faithful. I have a guy that works with me that used to be uh, John, or, me, Jim Green is probably 62 years old in the service, went to Elder High School. I grew up Catholic, uh, gave his life to the Lord. Doesn't mean you can't do that as a Catholic, obviously, became, but he's in the Protestant church today. Works for Blog Ministries. Uh, he owned his own landscaping company. He was a truck driver. Probably four years ago, he came to us and started ministry. And then all of a sudden, he was running a t-shirt shop, which he had never done before for Block Ministries. Two years ago, I said to him, let's move you into men's ministry. So two years ago, Jim, who's now 60, moved a career change into men's ministry for Block Ministries. So all he does right now is goes to the prisons every day. Works with guys coming out of jail. We have two residential houses he's the pastor of. He does CR, which is uh, recovery every Monday night, leads small groups, you name it. Never thought this would be his journey. You want to meet somebody who's faithful, available, and teachable, let me introduce you to Jim Green. He talks a long time, so that's why I did not bring him with me today. <laughs> I've never been done in three minutes. We have a young man named Daquan that we've been working with, and Andy and my daughter and our whole family in Price Hill since he was probably nine years old. He was smaller than he should have been. He had a big mouth, bigger than he should have had. And we knew he was going to be trouble, but we loved that kid every day of his life. Daquan, by the time he was in high school, was arrested for a possession of guns. Um, he got shot himself, was in a wheelchair for about two years, paralyzed him. He got over that. When he was 22, he was arrested again for vehicular assault, uh, had drugs on him, all kinds of stuff, had a massive wreck, hurt two other people. In January this year, he was in jail. Jim goes to visit Daquan, had no idea who he was. He told Daquan, I'd like to talk to you, and Daquan said, I don't really want to talk to you. <laughs> he goes, well, I'm with Block, and that changed everything. Daquan said, oh, if you're with Block, then I'll talk with you. By February, sorry, oh. <laughs> Daquan had given his life to the Lord by talking to Jim across this window about Jesus, and he says, I want to be a Christian. So as we sit today, he's still in jail, but Daquan is a believer with his life turned around. He's got a lot of stuff to do with consequences in his life, but it took 15 years of somebody planting a seed, somebody watering a seed, 
and big old Jim getting to go harvest the seed. And that's just a lot of faithful, available people showing up to say, I don't know, God. I'll go into that jail. I'll handle that kid. I'll deal with his mouth every day. Believe me. (laughs) And all of a sudden, God says, I'll do the work. It's okay. That's what it means to leave this room today and just be obedient to the Holy Spirit. The last verse I'll share with you today is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And this is what it takes. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as what? Living sacrifices. In other words, give it up. Give yourselves up for the kingdom. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. I didn't get all the way through chapter 19, I'm sorry. But if I can give you anything today, I just want to ask you that one question. What is missing in your life that allows you to do these things in the power of the Spirit? Maybe you don't know Jesus yet. Maybe you need to accept him as Lord and let the indwelling of the Spirit come upon you. Maybe then you need to seek the empowering of the Spirit daily. Just pray for it. God, give me the power of the Spirit today to go do your work. And then just be faithful, available, and teachable and go do this. You're not going to know everything. I want to close today with this reading and just encourage you in this today. This is from Thomas Kelly. The band want to make their way up. That'd be great. In my deepest heart, I know that some of us have to face our comfortable, self-oriented lives all over again. The times are too tragic. God's sorrow is too great. Man's night is too dark. The cross is too glorious for us to live as we have lived in anything short of holy obedience. I pray that you just be obedient to the Lord today and go. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for this opportunity to be together. May the Holy Spirit convict us today to be obedient to the word of God and just be present. Use us, bless us. May this church, Lord, be a force in this neighborhood as it walks out the doors today. To you be all glory, honor, and praise for this is your work and your story. In Jesus' name, amen.